So we're going to go ahead and jump right into our passage this morning. If you have your Bibles, we are in Romans chapter 16, verse 17 to 20. Now Paul writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So a few months ago, in March of this year, our family with the Katagis, we went out to Bryanhead, Utah for a few days up in the snow to do some skiing and to a snowmobile, which for our family we had never done before. So I was looking forward to the entire trip, but I was you know, looking forward to snowmobiling snowmobiling because you know, I'd never done it before. So the day shows up. We, we head over to the place where we're going to be taking the tour and, and renting out these snowmobiles. We check in, we pay our money, we sign our waivers, we get our helmets, our goggles, and then we make our way out, and the snowmobiles are lined up, and, and they look nice, and we kind of get on them in, in, in no specific order, but Brandon and Grayson, they were up front, and then it was Carly and I, then Alyssa and Kaya, and then Amber and, and Katie. So we get on, and we're sitting on it and just kind of feeling it out, and the instructor begins to explain how to operate uh, these vehicles. Uh, he first tells us, though, hey, you know, welcome, we're glad you're here, you're going to have a blast, anyone can ride these things, it's really easy, it's really safe, don't worry about anything. Uh, here's how you start the engine, here's how you throttle, here's how you brake, here's how you turn, this means go, this means stop, you're going to have a blast. Any questions, we have some questions, he answers them, he's really funny, we're excited. And he says one last thing, if you tip over and... If you're not tipping over, you're not snowmobiling. He says, if you tip over, don't worry. The snow is, is really soft. You'll be fine. But just remember to keep your outside leg tucked in. Because if you stick that leg out, that's 500 pounds of metal on that leg, and it's not going to end well. In other words, you're going to have a great time. It's really fun. <laughs> But the one thing that could ruin everything is if you tip over and stick that leg out, that's not going to end well. So the entire time I'm having a blast, but I'm just thinking, don't stick my leg out. Don't stick my leg out. And I'm yelling to Carly, keep your legs in, keep your legs in, keep your legs in. Fortunately, we didn't tip over, and we had a great time. When our passage this morning, we are at the end of the letter, pretty much, and Paul issues this warning to the church. Now, suffice to say, he has just provided a whole lot of good teaching and instruction. In addition to all of the teaching they had received prior to this letter, which Paul affirms is good, solid teaching, Paul writes this letter to encourage them, to strengthen them, uh, by reminding them of certain important fundamental truths. Truths like they are sinners saved by grace through Jesus, that by faith they are fully forgiven, justified, holy and righteous in the eyes of God, that they are adopted as sons and daughters, elevated to the status of sonship, 
that they've been given the Holy Spirit, who is constantly at work for their good, sanctifying them, entrusting them with spiritual gifts, making them invaluable, irreplaceable to the body of Christ here on earth, that they are anointed, that they are called and empowered to live lives of love, humility, sacrifice, submission to God, to one another, to everyone around them. In other words, what he's telling them throughout this entire letter is you have everything you need to live the life that God desires for you to live, to receive all that he wants to give, to experience all that he wants you to experience, to be who he designed you to be, to do what he created you to do. But here, at the end, in verse 17, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. He says, stay away from them. And the fact that Paul issues this warning at the very end means this is pretty important. That while we as believers have everything we need to live out the life God designed for us, the one thing that could really put a damper on things, the one thing that could get in the way, the one thing that can really hinder stuff is false teaching or teaching that isn't true. Now, most of us, you know, we'd agree, we understand that uh, from a physical standpoint, what we put into our bodies, what we eat, what we drink, that's going to significantly impact how we feel physically, right? what we are capable of doing both in the short term and, and in the long run. Right? There are certain kind of benefits of eating certain kind of foods, consequences of eating other kinds of foods, but none of us come to church for a dietary lesson, so I'm just going to leave it at that. But in the same way, like what's true physically is also true mentally, emotionally, that what we see, what we hear, what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, that's going to affect how we think, what we feel, right? So I can sit at home and watch an NBA playoff game for three hours and just be tense and uptight the entire time and afterwards be in dire need of donuts and a day off. I can sit down and watch a Korean drama, which I never thought I would ever do in a million years, but which I gave into over the pandemic. Right, I can watch a Korean drama and all, the only thing I want to do after is watch more Korean dramas. I can watch certain kinds of, of documentaries, certain kinds of fact-based historical movies, read certain articles, listen to certain podcasts, and be convicted. I can be challenged, humbled, inspired. Right? What, we, what we see, what we hear, what we read, that's going to affect how we think, what we feel, what we ultimately do. And what Paul is saying is that in the same way of what is true physically and what is true mentally and emotionally is also true spiritually. That what we feed our souls, what we allow to enter our minds and our hearts, that's going to affect our ability to grow and mature spiritually, both individually and collectively. Right? He tells these believers in Rome, he says, listening to teaching that is contrary to what you have learned, that's going to cause division. And it's going to get in the way of what God is wanting to do in you and, and through you. Now, Paul doesn't go into details as to what kind of teaching he's specifically referring to. He doesn't give us any details in terms of who these false teachers are. Now, we know from other letters that Paul is aware of different kinds of false teachings. 
Some teachings that lean too far in emphasizing obedience and works and thus becoming legalistic. Other teachings that lean too far in the area of grace and thus becoming permissive when it comes to sin. But for whatever reason, Paul doesn't give the church in Rome any detail as to what false teachings he's, he's talking about. He does give us a little info on false teachers. He says their heart is all about serving themselves and not Jesus, which implies that teaching is not just about the message, but it's the heart of the messenger. Nonetheless, though, he, it's, it's a mystery as to why Paul doesn't give us more information. One could argue that in light of how dangerous false teaching was and is, it would have been very helpful for him to give us a detailed, accurate description of who and what he was talking about. But he doesn't. And perhaps the reason he doesn't give us that information is because he doesn't want the church to be overly consumed with trying to identify all the different kinds of false teachings, but rather that we would merely be diligent and proactive and intentional in learning and relearning and reminding ourselves of teaching that is true. In other words, the best... The best way to stay away from bad teaching is to stay close and near to good teaching. And that's the challenge for, for each of us. To constantly ensure that we are consuming teaching that is true. Now, in verse 19... He says, everyone has heard about your obedience. So I rejoice because of you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Now, there are times when I'm coaching my daughter's recreational team or maybe I'm having a conversation with my kids at home or I'm giving feedback to a friend or uh, someone on staff. Where the message to them is not, you know, stop doing that, start doing this, change this, fix that. But the message is simply, hey, you're doing awesome. Keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. If you remember in chapter 1 of this letter, Paul tells the, the church in Rome, he says, your faith is being reported all over the known world amongst churches, right? That your faith is famous. In chapter 15, he says, you are full of goodness, you are filled with knowledge, you are fully capable of teaching, instructing, coaching one another. And here in chapter 16, he says, uh, you're doing amazing when it comes to obedience. The way you're living your life, you are doing a great job. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. In other words, keep it up. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep practicing all that is good and continue to social distance from all that is evil. And while they, that may sound simple in theory, that requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of diligence. It requires a lot of intentionality. Now, I've been told that there are some parts of this world where, where parents will take a very hands-on and proactive 
approach to their child's education. Maybe you can think of a place. <laughs> what schools they go to, what classes they take, who their teachers are, you know, beginning with elementary, through high school, sometimes even through college. Right, and the reason why is because studies have shown right, what a child learns, how they learn, who they learn from, who they learn with, that is going to have a significant impact on their development academically. When it comes to youth sports, who coaches our kids, how they're coached, how they're trained, the kind of culture and environment of the team, that's going to affect their development in their respective sport. If you think about investing or planning for retirement, the kind of advice that we receive, the kind of information that we are able to gather, that's going to affect the choices and decisions that we make when it comes to money. And all of those things require a high level of proactiveness, high level of diligence and intentionality. And we can measure the effectiveness of various things by simply evaluating our progress. So when it comes to academics, you can just look at grades, test scores. You can measure improvement from year to year, subject to subject. With sports, you can just see the development out on the courts or out on the field. When it comes to investing, you can see your gains and your losses. And what Paul is saying is in the same way you can measure the quality of the teaching you're receiving by evaluating your progress when it comes to love and obedience. If bad teaching leads to division, disunity, disobedience, then good teaching is going to lead to unity. It's going to lead to love, humility, sacrifice, submission, and ultimately obedience. And thus, the better the teaching, the more you will grow in your love and in your obedience. Now, on one hand, this puts a, a lot of responsibility on teachers. But on the other hand, it puts a high level of responsibility on each of us to discern what kinds of teaching we're receiving and the kinds of teachers we are learning from. Now, for the first century Roman church, discerning that would have been a matter of deciding which leaders, which teachers they allowed to come into their house churches and give the message. They would have had to discern which leaders, what teachers they would go out and listen to out in the marketplace, in the public arenas. But for us today, right, teachers are everywhere, not just in churches, not just in schools. What we see, what we watch, what we listen to, TV, what we read on newspapers, articles, blogs, podcasts, videos, conferences, social media, what we hear from our, our friends and our family members and our peers about what they're hearing on TV, media, social media, all those things. And all of that information, whether intentional or unintentional, directly or indirectly, it's communicating some kind of perspective on life, some kind of perspective on reality, what's good, what's bad, what's true, what's false, what's right, what's wrong, what's, what's valuable, what's not valuable. And while it's important that we're vigilant in discerning what is true and what is false, what is more important is that we are diligent, that we are proactive, that we are intentional in ensuring that we are constantly feeding our souls 
with teaching that is good, teaching that is helpful, teaching that is, is true. So that obviously entails being in God's word consistently, constantly, reminding ourselves of the truths that God has spoken. But it also entails reading, watching, listening to things about the Bible, things that expand on the Bible, explain the Bible, illustrate the Bible, apply the Bible, different kinds of books, articles, sermons online, videos on Right Now Media, conversations with other believers in, in small groups, meeting up with different leaders, different mentors. You know, over the past year, year and a half, over this pandemic, uh, I have to admit that, that our family, uh, we were very fortunate in comparison to so many others who, who had it really hard. Amber and I were able to work from home, the kids did school online, and, um, you know, we were comfortable for the most part. We, we did enjoy the slower pace of life, the additional time that we got to spend together, times of rest, relaxation, getting to do things like hiking, biking. So there was uh, a lot of good that we were able to experience in light of the circumstances. However, there was also a lot of times where I felt more scared, more uncertain, more overwhelmed than I have ever felt in my entire life. There were a lot of mornings then. There are still a lot of mornings now where I, I wake up and I feel discouraged and overwhelmed. It's like fear and worry are just waiting to greet me first thing in the morning. And in those moments, I can feel the temptation to allow those thoughts, allow those emotions to foster more fear, to foster frustration, to foster discontentment, to foster bitterness, resentment. And every single morning, the challenge for me is to allow God's word, his truths, to to lead me out of that, to recenter my mind, to recenter my heart, my soul, by reminding myself of what is true and what is possible through the Holy Spirit. So for me, that entails spending some time in worship every morning. Now, I can't sing worth a lick, so that's just my iPhone and AirPods. But allowing the lyrics of those songs to just remind me of how good and awesome our God is. It entails spending some time in Scripture, try to read through a couple Psalms, trying to align my heart with the, the, the thoughts and the emotions of the psalmist. I try to read one proverb based on whatever day of the month it is. So it's the 27th.